You're listening to the Holistic Spaces podcast brought to you by Mindful Design Feng Shui School. Episode 94, Why Feng Shui? Welcome to the Holistic Spaces podcast, where we hope to inspire, educate, and empower you to create your own holistic spaces that nurture and resonate with you. Angie Cho and Laura Morris are the founders of the Mindful Design Feng Shui School. Together, they have over three decades of experience designing harmonious living spaces. Laura and Angie have guided thousands of people to shift their energy and revitalize their lives. Mindful Design School offers feng shui courses and certifications. Check us out at mindfuldesignschool.com. If you've been listening to us for a while or you're a newbie, welcome. And we hope you enjoy this earlier episode. Okay, so, well, because we're gearing up for our own little back to school with the certification program, Laura and I thought we would talk about what brought us to feng shui. So that's why we titled this episode, Why Feng Shui? So, Laura, you're going to start. Let us know. Like, tell us your story. What brought you to feng shui and why feng shui? Well, why feng shui? That's a, that's a big question. So it was really hot. I feel like it was like the late 80s, early 90s. It was super popular. And they had a feng shui book somewhere in their house at some point. I first encountered it during that and I was really curious about it then. And I kind of dabbled with it and played around with it, but never really like read books. And at the time, you know, there was, I don't want to say there was no internet because that makes me sound super old, but there was not the, you know, all these articles online. So, you know, I think I had like one or two books and I would play around with it. And my life, my path in life. So where I was is I, I spent a lot of my time in corporate. I was a marketing director, so it had nothing to do with feng shui. It was very business focused, like all the time business focused and budgets and marketing plans and ad campaigns and stuff. So it was a really great outlet. And I was always interested in design because I'm an artist as well. And I've been painting since I forever. So eventually I ended up leaving my corporate job crazily and just letting it all go. And I decided to do my design business because I was already doing it for friends and family. And I thought I'd been doing, and then started getting on word of mouth. And then I was like doing it all the time. And so I thought, okay, that's it. I'm going to do this. This is what I'm going to do. So I started my own business, left the corporate world, but always in the back of my mind, I was always playing around with feng shui, the idea of it, uh, the beauty of spaces, the feel of spaces. And I think, I don't know, maybe a lot of people out there can resonate with this. This makes sense to them. You know, especially if you if you do design, you don't even have to do design, but maybe you're just, there's something about creating a space and making sure it feels a certain way and just walking into a space and knowing that there's just a couple things off and working with that. And I think I didn't know at the time probably, but that really is a lot of the heart of what this practice is about is to really be aware of what's happening in a space, although I didn't know it yet. So I I had my design business and I was doing well. I liked doing it. I enjoyed it. I had great clients. I enjoyed it. The project management part of it was chaotic, but it was still, you know, that's part of the business. And I started to do yoga. So I had a child in life. uh, When you have a kid, you know, things just kind of perspectives change. 
And I thought once, you know, I kind of got out of the crazy young years, I thought, okay, I'm going to really focus on myself. I want to, you know, make a real shift. And so I started practicing yoga and I got really like intense into it enough that I ended up doing my teacher training. So I actually ended up becoming a, a yoga instructor. And so I was still doing design. I was a yoga instructor, but then something just clicked in terms of working with energy and yoga and meditating and doing this energy work in yoga, I felt, wait a minute, this feels like there's a connection here. It feels like there's something like I can join the two together. So again, I knew about feng shui, I've been dipping my toe in it here and there, but I thought, you know what, why don't you, you know, Laura, just find a program somewhere you can go, do a program, see what you think and, you know, start. So I, there was a program in where I was in Canada. There was one that I did. And I, I, to be honest, I, I didn't research it that much, but well, also there was the availability. I wanted to do one in a certain time and you know work with my schedule. So I ended up doing this one and really all it did was I had more questions. Like at the end, I was like, oh my gosh. And it was not very long program. And to be honest, it was just enough. So I started to integrate it into my practice, my, my design business a little bit, but I really felt there was more to it. And so I ended up realizing that actually there's different perspectives. There's different ways to practice it. So I started researching it. And then I found the school that you and I did, Angie. And that is when I realized at that point, when you say why feng shui, the part of the power of feng shui is finding the right teacher, right? So when I started talking to people, emailing people, one of them was Rosalie and I'm in Canada. I'm in Toronto. And uh, if this program was in New York and it was a big deal for me as a Canadian to travel all the time to do the program and, you know, the distance, et cetera. But when I spoke to Rosalie and I learned about the program and then I started looking a little bit more into the practice of Black Sect, specifically Feng Shui, for me that just clicked. And so part of it is the practice itself, but, you know, really connecting with a teacher. And I really liked her and I really liked what she had to say. And then basically the rest is history. So I went into the program, I did that. And yeah, and then we met. We met because you were ahead of me though. You were a year ahead of me, I think. Yeah, I, I think I was a couple years ahead yeah. of you. But that doesn't mean I'm a couple years older than you. <laughs> no, it's actually the opposite. <laughs> yeah, actually, my story is similar, especially in terms of Rosalie. So, so if you guys don't know, she's been on the podcast before. Rosalie Principali is one of our mentors. And we're very proud and delighted that our teachers are involved with our program too. They're not involved in the certification program, but they're a part of the continuing education that we offer to our graduates. But, you know, we love Rosalie. And I always tell this story, but, you know, Rosalie actually officiated my wedding. So she was truly the first mentor that I really had. And, and also the same with Barry and Stephen and... Catherine. So my story, let's see, what brought me to feng shui? Why feng shui? Why feng shui for you? Yeah, why feng shui? Well, I'd studied in design, in architecture, and I was working as an architectural designer, but it was just like, did not make my heart sing. <laughs> I was really unhappy. And at some point, things came to a head when, and I took a trip to Thailand. I randomly received a Reiki healing session. And that was very transformative for me. 
And I came back to New York and I realized I needed to change everything, that things were not working. So I started, started to study meditation and practice yoga, but then there was a gap. Like, what about like what I do for a living? What about like the thing that I do for, for over like 50% of the day, right? And how does that connect? So I decided to start studying feng shui as well. And so I kind of dabbled in it, maybe like a lot of the listeners here, took a class here and there, got some books. But I'm personally, I'm more of an experiential learner. And also what I learned later is that you can only really get so much from books, Mm -hmm. right? And I didn't even really read any books, honestly. Like even our students now, sometimes the ones that we have now, are they ask me, so are you reading this from a book? Or what books can we read to learn this? I said, um, I didn't learn any of this from a book. I learned all of this by being present with my teachers. I said, here's some books, but I honestly haven't read any of them. <laughs> so, so I may use them as reference guides, but I've never really read a feng shui book from beginning to end. And everything I know is from experience and watching my teachers. And we spent a lot of time with our teachers. So even I remember first meeting Laura, it was at a class consultation and she was saying something and we were with Rosalie and I was like, hmm, I'm like, she's someone that knows what she's talking about because some people didn't know what they were talking about. Yeah, we were both can audit it because you could do that, right? You could join any of the consultations they were doing. That's right. Yes, yes. So I just dabbled in feng shui for a long time and I always wanted to take the certification program, but things weren't aligned. So in 2009, I got laid off from my job and we were in a recession. So there was no way to get another job, even if I, you know, I tried and I did try, but uh, I realized, you know, look, I'm going to take advantage of this time and study feng shui and do this three-year certification program that I've always wanted to do. So I enrolled and immediately things started changing even before I took my first class. Like Rosalie always jokes that I was like the student that had clients before I even took a class. Mm-hmm. So she said, and she was always such a support. She's, I said, well, this person wants to hire me for design and feng shui. And she's like, do it. I'll help you. So I did. And that was my first client. And I also got my architect's license and other projects started falling into my lap. So it really changed my life, feng shui. I didn't know anything about it. And I'm not really a shop arounder. So usually for me, it's pretty obvious because something will feel very clearly the right path for me. And things will kind of open up and I'll have lots of arrows, energetic arrows pointing at it. So I'm like, okay, this is the right time. I mean... There are some times where I don't know what to do, obviously, but with feng shui and with my career, I'm pretty fortunate that a lot of the obstacles seem to really just, they jumped out of the way when I started studying feng shui. As soon as I opened myself up to that, a lot of just opportunities, just they just keep presenting themselves. So it really changed my life and my career. And I never thought I'd, you know, well, there was no such thing as podcasts when we were young, but you know, I never thought I'd be on a podcast or writing a book or teaching students. Like I never had any of these aspirations, 
but the universe has other ideas for me. <laughs> so, but I'm very grateful and I, I grow every day with all of the learning and all the teaching and all of the gifts that we receive from this practice. And it's really the ground of everything we do. So that's kind of my story. And it really changed our lives and our careers. And so, Loris. So I was going to ask you something. Yeah. Well, okay. So you said, you know, everything, arrows pointing and things sort of unfolded. You know, yeah, you know, you, you're probably a really good manifester, right? Which is one thing. But isn't it kind of a chicken the egg thing? Like you're a really good manifester because you embrace this practice and this practice is about really looking and seeing and being aware, then you have things that come in front of you. But sometimes if you're not open, mm -hmm. you can't see them and you don't see that it's perhaps an opportunity, right? Yeah, that's definitely true. And I think the main difference was, was that we had teachers that were invested and true teachers that they cared about us individually. And this is what we do with our students. We, we try to get to know our students all individually. And so that, that made the difference where, where I was able to, yes, like be instructed with some guidance and gentleness to, to be able to be open to this. Yeah. And it's also interesting because in feng shui, there's, I think it's just kind of built into the, <laughs> your microphone. <laughs> I know. Sorry. Um, uh, it's just kind of skillfully built into the teachings. Like they really yes. layered it in such yes. a way that you slowly learn. And, and this is actually, because it's an ancient practice, that's a lifetime practice. And we, you know, we learned over three years and longer. I mean, like we've, we still study with our teachers and there's always so much more to learn, even though you hear the same thing over again. Uh, yeah. It's not like you're necessarily learning like ground shakingly new things every time, but sometimes you'll hear the same thing, you know, maybe a few months later and the same meditation, the same mantra or the same adjustment, whatever that had been taught. And there's a lot about this practice that is right place, right time. Right. And, and I yeah. think the professor said that, you know, it really, then you open your eyes and you're like, Oh my gosh, now I get that. Okay. Now I can use it. And now, you know, there's a lot of, of that. So there is an element of time and, you know, which is part of the reason why we have our regular, we have this, the community, right? As you're saying, our continued education mm -hmm. where we bring our teachers on and we talk. And so, because it really is like a long, once you've got, you can have all the knowledge, you know, you can have, learn all of this stuff and, and then, but it's really, you know, this of how it slowly starts to emerge as, as clicking for you. Right. And that isn't just about learning more and piling it on. It's really about letting what you've learned um, plant deeper. seeds. Yeah. And then down the road, it's like, oh my goodness, that's point, you know, tink, and like a bell goes off. Right. Yeah. And, and to what you said too, yes, I'm, I'm pretty good at manifesting career oriented things, but it is a chicken and the egg type of thing. Like it's because I did the work and also it's in feng shui, we have, we have a way of looking at things. Like there's a lot of different elements. There's your fate, your astrology, what you're born with, how much work you put in, the education that you do, the feng shui, your environment, all of these factors affect you. And I remember reading something that maybe Joey App wrote. Someone asked him, like, why is it that every feng shui consultant isn't super rich? And he said, 
something along the lines that you can be a great feng shui consultant, but not have the fate to become a super wealthy person, but still have the fate to be very skilled at that practice. So it's about finding your voice and not necessarily your vocal voice, but finding where you fit in and what your strengths are and what you want to work on and what makes you makes your heart sing so you can really show up. And so some, for some people, it's doing a lot less and not being as, not manifesting a million things like you or I, you know, so people have different ways. Yeah. And, you know, it doesn't necessarily have to be about, you know, if you come from a place or a job or a situation in life where you're just not happy, who cares? I, I mean, this is what we talk about. The particular area of the Bagua Shun is not necessarily all about money. It's about abundance and blessings. And so you come from a place where you're just, there's a poverty in there, in, in your happiness that when you come to this practice, you know, if you've decided to come to this practice to make, you know, I don't know, make your career better, to make your life better, whatever it is, you know, there are degrees of that. I mean, you know, depending on where you came from and that's what you're saying, those five factors, you know, Mm -hmm. first, you know, you can't really change your destiny, you know, wherever you're born, your cosmos, that kind of stuff, but by working really hard and also by shifting your environment and that's where the feng shui comes in, you can really smooth out the edges of stuff that isn't really going your way, let's just say, or you've been dealt a bad lot in life, let's just say. You can use those, you know, A, the pull up your bootstraps kind of approach, right? Which a lot of us may or may not have. And, you know, entrepreneurs seem to have that because that's sort of how they're wired. And then there's the feng shui of it, which is the art to, okay, what is happening in your environment and how can you clear the path so that because you've been dealt this situation, how can you shift that and using feng shui? So it's just like, it's one part of a mix, as you were saying. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. One thing I thought we could also talk about in this episode is a specific way that feng shui either changed your life or a client's life. Hmm. Okay. Well, clients' lives, I've had a bunch of different successes you know, from getting pregnant, which is a big one that I did. That was one that was a big deal. And that you have to tread very carefully with when you're working with clients in that area. But we had kind of worked together for quite some time and she and I knew each other. And so we were ready for like, you know, that sort of, it was a long sort of term thing that we were working toward in her house. The other was I had a client that ended up going to con film festival. They manifested that, which was really big for them. But I have to say overall, I mean, those all sound sexy and really cool. And like, you know, everyone wants to know about these success stories and yeah, they're there. But for me, I, what I love is, so I have clients, let's say that come to me thinking, okay, so my background's design, you know, and so sometimes people don't truly understand what the practice is and they come and they say, okay, well, I, I think I need something. Something needs to change. And I don't know what it is, but something needs to change. And it's some, I think it's my house. I think there's something going on in my house, like the furniture. Like, I don't know. I need a new, something really mundane that they think is, is the big thing. And, and then you're like, okay, you know, sure. We can look at that and we can talk about that. Cause again, you want to meet people where they are, but through that meetings and through our meetings and our, our coming together as clients, there's such a big shift once they understand the practice and they gain more of an understanding and their eyes are open to some of the other things that, you know, every client is different and introduce different things depending on where they are. But 
there's a transformation and they're like, oh my gosh, I had no idea that this was what it's about. And then there's this sort of, they want more and they want more. And then you're kind of, okay, well, let's start with this. But it's that shift from, oh, I thought it was going to be this, but now I see that it's so much bigger than that. And there's so many other things that are like so many patterns and things that we can work on that are deeper than that. And that's for me that I really love that when clients, when people that I work with the penny, like they get it, the penny really drops through seeing the practice and understanding and you know having to open it up for them in a way that is that they can come to it on their own, if that makes any sense without yeah. kind of throwing it at them. You know? No, that makes sense. And that reminds me of when I started studying in university. When I started studying architecture, like as a stereotypical comment would say, Oh, you're studying architecture, so you build you design buildings. And then one person said, Oh, that's so cool you're studying architecture because you're working with people's spaces. Mm-hmm. And so I think a lot of things in life, once you really dive deep whether you're a nurse or a teacher, a school teacher or a feng shui consultant or a taxi driver, whatever it is that you do, there's a superficial way of looking at it like, oh, I just drive taxis. Or I read something recently where this taxi driver said that he loves driving taxis in New York City because his favorite ride is bringing people from the airport that have just moved to New York. Hmm. And there, and they talk about like how exciting it is. And he always takes like the 59th street bridge so they could see the skyline coming in. So, so I think with whatever you do, there can be a lot of meaning and depth to it. And so same with feng shui, people may think, oh, what color should I put up on the wall? And then they're surprised when we say, well, what is it that you want to work on? Like Mm -hmm. a friend recently, I gave her a yantra And she was like, where should I put this? I said, well, what do you want to work on? She's like, I don't understand. (laughs) I said, well, do you want to work on more your joy or do you want to work on your health or do you, you know, what, what's most, most pressing? She's like, okay, but I don't understand how this, this, this has to do with putting this, putting up this piece of art. So I said, don't worry, just tell me and then I can direct you. So I think it's just a beautiful thing that when you dive deeper into different things, there's much more to learn. Yeah. And and it's that idea of sometimes you meet different people along the path and you work with different clients. You can't presuppose that people have this kind of, they're open to this. So it's interesting, like, for example, when you said that, you know, using intention to put something rather than just putting it and hanging it right where it's, you know, oh, well, I have a space here, so I'm going to put it here. And actually thinking and using intention is a, such a big part of the practice that just teaching clients that, that they can sit back and start to become aware of their space and how meaningful it can be. And you don't even have to do these big, crazy cures. You could just spend time doing that. For some, that's a big shift, right? Mm -hmm. So that's a, I think that's a success story. Like when they start to see their home as having the potential to support them because they've really taken the time to look at it and to place things properly or well with intention. Yeah. And there can be like the dark side of that where everyone, suddenly people are totally afraid to do anything in case it might be bad. So then, so it's really an interesting paradox where it's important to have intention, but also important to not go overboard. 
Yeah, and there's a difference between just hanging something. It's not going to do anything wrong. You just hang it there. It's just going to be hung there. But it, and it's not going to do anything good or bad because you didn't have any intention behind it. But as soon as you bring that in, that's where it ends up shifting, right? So you know, if some people come to us and go, "Oh my gosh, there is my wall is red here, and it was red when I came, or whatever. Or I have a red thing here. Is that going to mean that this? No, it's just there. Sometimes things are just there until you actually give them, set the intention make sure and officially sort of create it as a feng shui adjustment. It's, you know, it's just a wall. It's just a piece. It's just a chair. It's just a this, it's just a that. So. Yeah. But it, it also goes back to that thing where the students asked me about books. Like Laura always says, there's no formula to this. So sometimes it might not be so good. Like maybe you did put a piece of art up and then a consultant comes in and says, well, actually, you know, this art, may symbolize something that's happening with you unconsciously, or it can mean nothing, but it's not something that you can read a formula in a book about. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. so that's where a skilled practitioner really helps. And I think most people understand that if you look at what you do, what, whether you're a mother, whether you're a college student, whether you're a, yeah, like a doctor or a nurse, whatever, you know, like the nuances of your, what you, what you're doing. So anyway, I wanted to give one interesting thing that happened on a class consultation. So um, a few times a year, Laura and I offer class consultations where you can get a one-on-one feng shui consultation with us. Actually, one on 10, I guess. (laughs) It's like, well, it's a one-on-one consultation, but it is audited by students and it's recorded, but it's at a reduced rate. So it's a way, it's a tool for us to teach our students. And I think it's probably where people get the most learning done. Mm-hmm. That's where I got the most learning done. Like, you know, even if our, if our teachers were still teaching, I would still be going to their mm-hmm. consultations and auditing them. So I went to dozens and dozens because luckily I live in New York City and that's where they were all happening. Anyway, so um, I recently did one and, you know, we're not going to tell you the details, but it, but there was a, an adjustment I gave at the very end after we had ended basically, but I was just, I just had the inspiration to, to give her one more suggestion, one more feng shui adjustment that had to do with buying flowers for herself. And then she got very emotional, started crying, and then told us that very much resonated with her and shared her story about that and what it reminded, what it, what kind of emotions and thoughts and feelings and healing was evoked by that. And then the next day she sent me an email. Someone had randomly, anonymously left her fresh flowers on her front door. So it was very odd, but strange. And um, and also I'm not taking responsibility for that, obviously, and I don't know who did that, but, um, and it wasn't like I did any magic. It was really uh, each client that we work with, It's it's on them and it's not feng shui is not a magic pill but it's on you to be open like laura was talking about earlier when you're open to to seeing things differently then you can be surprised by what what can arise mm-hmm. but each person including our students all have to take responsibility for themselves we're all adults here yes that's unless you're not an adult listening to this podcast <laughs> <laughs> 